0: Welcome to the A to Z of sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder this podcast deals with adult content so if you don't have total privacy you might want to put on your headphones. Today the letter is Q and Q is for queer. Queer is defined in a number of ways. Originally queer was a slur that was used for homosexual people. Now, queer is also reclaimed by many people who have non-mainstream sexual orientation or gender identification. Queer theory is an academic discipline that studies all things non-binary. So that covers polyamory, bisexuality, non-binder gender, gender fluid, and transgender. To learn a full history of the term queer, do check out Dr. Meg John Barker's graphic novel, Queer, A Graphic History. Joining me today is Shula Melamed, who is a relationship and wellness coach located in New York City. She has been coaching individuals, couples, and groups on topics of intimacy, sexuality, healthy relationships, social skills, and adhering to health and wellness programs. In addition to working with her clients, she's also done research on the popularity of pole dancing classes, has worked as an ethnographer of youth subcultures in New York City, on public health research on drug use and adherence to HIV medication, And as a sexual health advisor for the sex positive underwear line, Otto, welcome to the show, Shula. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So to start this off, how do you define queer? How do I define queer? So
1: I define queer very much in the way that you um, spoke about it and the definition that you used. It's. Basically an umbrella term encompassing a variety of sexual orientations and gender identities that don't include heterosexuality or exclusive heterosexuality and um, I also think of it as like a political ideology that doesn't adhere to heteronormativity or uh, gender binary or doesn't really kind of hold on to it as as what is. So, um, that's, that's how I, I define it. And, um, yeah, and also it's one of these words that has been reclaimed, right? Something that used to be a derogatory word that people use and they reify it and make it a empowered kind of uh term.
0: So, um, we use terms like heteronormativity as though everybody on the planet is going to understand what that means, but there are probably a load of people who are listening who have no idea what we're talking about. So what is heteronormativity?
1: Um, Heteronormativity uh, assumes that heterosexuality is the, that is what everybody is, right? So heteronormativity is in our lives on a daily basis. You know, when we see ads and it's always like a, you know a couple that's a heterosexual couple one is a man one is a woman and and that is what is the norm right so heteronormativity so hetero norm hetero is the norm and everything else is the other Mm -hmm. so whether it's um gay or bisexual or um asexual or transgender or queer um that's all other so there's the norm, and then there's the other. So heteronormativity is something that maybe a lot of people wouldn't think about if they're not part of a group that is a sexual minority. Right. And um, so, yeah, so that's, that's,
0: that would be my definition of heteronormativity. And assuming that's how everybody's living their life and how everybody wants to live their life. And so that's really the major assumption that most of the population will make, um, and that unless you are part of the other group, or you are an ally, friends, family with with others. Your your initial assumption will always be um, to go to the dominant culture, which in this right. case is, is is heterosexuality.
1: Right. And if you start thinking like um, if you're somebody who's othered, um, so somebody who uh, identifies as one part of this alphabet, this LGBTQIA plus. Um, who knows, you know, as, as, as sexuality and as, um, you know, fluidity and all those things keep expanding, who knows, you know, how far we'll go. Um, but, um, if you're, or an ally, if you're an ally as well, then you'll start to notice how the world is kind of constructed in this heteronormative way. Um, whether it's
0: films,
1: TV representation, a lot of representation right. of, of relationships and love and sexuality.
0: And as I've talked with other people about, um, I mentioned Dr. Mac John Barker's book, Queer graphic history, because I think it's fantastic. And it's also because it's a graphic novel, it's maybe easier for some people to digest than yeah. the more research based things. Um, but, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, a lot around being unseen. Um, yes. and erased and um, not noticed and, th- and therefore not provided for. And that's the reason it's important to recognize that there is actually something above and beyond um, heterosexuality because if you don't, then you don't provide, you don't provide right. services, you don't, you don't, you don't you don't provide equality. Um, and, and, and then the rates of things like depression raise drastically in the community that is identified as other. Yeah,
1: depression, anxiety, STIs, you know, not being able to go to healthcare providers and have a language to speak of, you know, what it is that you're, what, what how it is that you identify and how you live your life. Um, it's, It's really an issue of visibility. And that's why a lot of times when people are like, well, LGBT, why do we need to add Q? Why do we need to have I? Why do we need to have A? And I guess it's one of those things that Unless you're part of that community and you really do need to have an identifier because it's a matter of in, not to be like so uh, extreme but life or death or, or health or sickness or you know being well or or unwell and and being
0: seen yeah and, I mean, and 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 I mean I've talked with other folks on this show about this that you know the, the consequences of invisibility are huge, absolutely huge. Um, and that it, you have more issues around invisibility for those people who are part of groups that, um, are, um, non binary. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. because they're non binary, and, and for those of you listening who don't understand the term non binary, binary is two, you know, mm-hmm. we've got male and female, yes and no. Right. Okay. So, um, the, People traditionally look at gender as a binary thing. Someone is either male or female. But we know now that there are lots of people who do not look at gender as something that's binary so that they are more fluid in their gender. They feel Mm -hmm. um, that neither term describes them well. Some Mm -hmm. of them have some parts male and some parts female, and they express them differently. Some move back Mm -hmm. and forth. Some are just transgender, full stop. Um, The same thing for sexuality. People who are bisexual don't make one either or choice. And also for polyamory. Those are people who aren't in one monogamous relationship. So it's not relationship or no relationship. It's how many or which relationships. So all of those things are non-binary. And and for somebody who doesn't walk in those worlds, it can be very difficult, I think, to get their heads around non-binary. Right yeah and that's because you know that's
1: another kind of setting of maybe heteronormativity you know you have male female right and that's you know there's a (laughs) binary you know normativity so um yeah and that's really interesting it's also like when we talk about um queer too it, it a lot of people who are the L, the G, or the B, or the T, you know, might also just go as the Q, you know, and say, you know, I'm part of the queer community, Mm -hmm. um, because it kind of encompasses all of those things, because it's not, um, and that's not to mean that, like, somebody who's, say, um, you know, a lesbian who just dates women, you know, that's that's what she does, you know, it's not, she's not fluid about, you know, dating men Mm -hmm. as well, or or um, even like trans men as well. So, you know, maybe, you know, she will, she'll really think like, you know, I'm a, a lesbian. But since, um, you know, it doesn't include, like the queer label doesn't include, um, you know, heterosexuality, I mean, she could also say like, I'm queer, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's doing all of those other things.
0: So, but I think these days, I mean, I think originally it was a reclaimed term among um, um, lesbian and gay folk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bisexual people kind of got in, in focusing on it, and um, and now it's it's a co- quite a bit more complex term. So if somebody yes. says they're queer, you don't necessarily know who they like to have sex with, right. um, what kind of relationships they like to have, or how they identify as far as their gender is concerned.
1: Yeah and there's I've seen a lot of interesting um discussions about this actually um it was uh there was one discussion that I saw where it was a, a woman who is in a polyamorous relationship with a man and is attracted to women as well and also has relationships with women sexual relationships and also um uh intimate relationships as far as like emotional relationships mm-hmm. go and um you know, somebody, but, you know, she wasn't necessarily out about that. And somebody was arguing, you know, unless you like come out about that, you can't really call yourself queer because you're in a relationship with a man and you get all of the advantages of, um, you know, hetero privilege. And how could you say that? And, and that's, I, I thought that that was kind of not a very inclusive way to, to, to speak to somebody who, you know, who also has all of the, all of the things that come with, you know, having same-sex attractions and living a alternative kind of lifestyle. And what what is your take on the conversation like that?
0: Well, it's really difficult because I, I mean, I'm I myself am bisexual, and so mm-hmm. um, I have used the term queer um, to identify me in part because I'm not only bisexual; I'm also polyamorous. So, so I, right. you know, I have two out of three non-binary traits. Um, Uh, that's pretty that's pretty queer that's pretty queer my gender identity is pretty stable um right and and really has been relatively stable throughout my lifespan so i don't Mm -hmm. have that um and so i would i used it for you know quite not in the in the way that it's used somewhat academically which is that whole non-binary doesn't fit here and doesn't fit there but i have Mm -hmm. been attacked in situations because i have right Mm-hmm. A husband. And so, you know, well, you have a husband and you pass, and it's sort of like, well, okay. Um, I have a husband who's also bisexual, so is mm-hmm. also queer. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And and I find that it's not just that it's not inclusive, it's that people who are bisexual get it from both sides. Oh, yeah. People who are non-binary get it from all sides. Right, and there's there's a lot of sense of actually not fitting in even to the alphabet soup, even though our letters are there, that mm-hmm. we don't we somehow don't fit. There's a lot of disapproval. Um, it, there's a lot of um, just really negativity that that can come across in situations when you're talking about how you label yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period of time where a lot of people who identify as pansexual, Right. And that's, that, that means
1: everything, right? Like anybody, any kind of gender identity, any kind of sexuality, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a more kind of inclusive term than bisexual. You know, you still have the binary and
0: bisexual. You do, you do accept right. that, except that you're not really binary when you look at it. Exactly them. at all. <laughs> yeah. but, but pansexual, pansexual became this term that was looked at as being people who were straight, who were dabbling, would call themselves pansexual. Yeah, I feel like that's never really caught on. As, no. as and that's why, it, because the people who you would call themselves pansexual were primarily, in, in fact, many women who mm-hmm. were in heterosexual relationships who had the occasional girlfriend. Right. But didn't really – but it was mostly sexual. It, it wasn't – there wasn't a whole lot of talk around emotional intimacy. And then, of course, you leave out the kink and, kinky and BDSM folks who also mm-hmm. – f- end up calling themselves queer sometimes because because people don't realize that you your sexual orientation can be about power exchange. And that mm-hmm. means that, in fact, you don't really – it's not really about the gender of who you're involved with, but rather about the role that that person plays in a power exchange. So right. some, some of us are, you know, consistently one way or the other. I'm consistently submissive, always have been. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you ask me which was more important, the gender of the person mm-hmm. or the role that they're going to take in the relationship, for me, it's the role. Right, right. So really, yeah. if they gave me a choice on a scale of sexual orientation to choose submissive or slave or bottom or whatever we decided to call that right Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's what i would actually choose as sexual orientation i wouldn't choose bisexual because bisexual doesn't really describe what goes on for me right right so if you add all of them in you get an even bigger group of people that fall under this rubric of queer and then people start to get quite upset because there's a sense of differential privilege throughout the group Mm mm-hmm um, well, what do you think about
1: that. I, well, I mean, I think that, you know, in a, in politically speaking, you know, with with like we talked about like you talked about a little bit about queer theory and queer studies and and what all of that is about and you know, privilege you know, there is a certain amount of privilege that one gets when they're in a heterosexual relationship, no matter if nobody knows what you're doing behind closed doors. No, they don't. Nobody knows. And I'm going to just use you and your relationship as an example, if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So the two of you are walking down the street and I don't, I don't know what your partner looks like or how he presents, you know, but if it's you my know, partner's African-American, so we're an interesting example. Okay, and he dresses like masculine. Yeah, masculine. Yeah. Okay, and, yeah, masculine. You know, and and so you walk down the street, and nobody knows what's going on.
0: Behind no, the people assume door. that we are a heterosexual couple
1: right and but if we talk about intersectionality you guys probably get other things like you know yes. interracial racial couple though even though that should not even be a thing you know some people are whatever again representation yeah. how many films do you see with interracial couples not many. where there's like you know just you know that's another that would be another really if you guys do i we should really talk you know go through that on the alphabet um But, you know, you might not have the same. And if you kiss in public, you're not going to have the same kind of street crowd reaction as two women do or two men. So there is something about those layers of privilege that, you know, especially as a person who does identify in one part of the alphabet, like you can understand how, yes, there are certain things that I there are certain privileges that I enjoy that some of my other, you know, brothers and sisters and in-betweeners don't, don't get, but, you know, knowing that, and having those conversations with people, when people do give you a hard time and say, like, well, how could you identify as that? You have a husband, you have this, just, you know, having conversations with people and being like, listen, you know, I don't have, like, there are certain, I identify as this, and, and I expect to kind of be welcomed into the community, or I expect to, like, be part of expanding community because i experienced this that and the other thing
0: well i mean what what my response to that is is that actually uh, yeah we get privileged by passing and my Mm -hmm. husband can talk more about that he can't pass for for love nor money he's dark right yeah (laughs) yeah but we get privileged by passing and we don't necessarily want that in fact i find it very difficult because the assumptions that are made right when i'm with a woman people assume that i'm gay Mm-hmm. when I'm with a man they or, sisters. That I'm straight. or we're <laughs> sisters yeah no I mean but if I'm if yeah. I'm out at an event and, I, and right. I'm out at an event and I'm with a woman and it's clear that we are sexual partners and mm-hmm. partners people make the assumption that I'm gay and then yeah. if I'm out with a man they make the assumption that I'm straight and so yeah. there's that sense of not being seen at all it's like oh this is the assumption do I get more privilege when I'm with a man sure do because that's the society and the, the way the society is, and I and I recognize that, and you know, and and it's something that you you need to pay attention to when mm-hmm. you're dealing with people who have less privilege. Uh, mm-hmm. But it wasn't an, you know, it's like sometimes it's suggested that that's the reason that I married, rather than the person that I married, which I find really offensive.
1: You know, so do you bring that
0: up a man because it was easier to marry a man instead of I married a man because. I fell in love with a man.
1: Well, anyone who says that marriage is easy has obviously never been married,
0: <laughs> but uh, I mean, like with anybody,
1: but like, let's be real. Um, but, you know, do you bring up that kind of thing? Like when I'm out with a woman, you know, I'm invisible because you're also, I mean, I don't know, you know, when you go out, if you
0: dress a certain way, but you're femme too. So oh, there's yeah, like, I am femme. Femme, you but know, I thought or... I couldn't be femme because I was a larger woman. So I was told that I was masculine because I was larger. And that was quite amusing. So I had this vision of myself as being not butch, but not femme, right? Because I knew I wasn't butch. I've always had long hair and, you know, and, and, and when I told my husband that, he hit the floor laughing. He's like, you're so (laughs) much femme with your shoes and your bags and your nails. Right. Right. You know, so it took me a while to kind of get that. (laughs) But but yeah, no, I dress that way. So I'm looked at in a certain way because I will dress well, I mean, there are the occasions where I dress down, but you can't, you can't. I mean, this is femme. This is automatically all you have to do is beautiful, red, curly hair. That's right.
1: Um, hi femme. Hi femme to Leanne. Um, (laughs) yeah, but this is the interesting thing. It's like having to, you know, visibility and, and, you know, the importance of, um, just being able to Um, be who you are and be out in the world but then also have a way to to talk about it and these are things that if you were just part of that or a normative um, model and world which is you know nothing obviously like that's there's there's no that's an identity to also be proud of and yeah but you know you would never think about (laughs) all of this stuff if you were just pretending and just hanging out with a woman and not really identifying at that, it wouldn't affect you when people would be like, no, Oh, you're it
0: not, b- it wouldn't bother me. But I think that's the interesting thing. It's like, so when you identify yourself as queer, it's how much almost, they, there's, there's sometimes this attitude of how much right do you have to say that, you know, how much right mm-hmm. do you have to call yourself queer, show me your queer card, you know, it's like, right. What is it that I'm supposed to have done in order to, to, highlight the fact that I'm not part of that community and sometimes highlighting it also can of course cause you trouble. Mm -hmm. So, um, why do you think it's so important that we have a really good understanding of the needs of the queer community? Well, I think for
1: reasons, uh, like you said about the different, like the health disparities in in the, the queer community and, and, um, I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of issues that come up from repressing one sexuality, hiding one sexuality, um, you know, being afraid to, um, being fearful of exposing it to to healthcare providers or to family members, or if it's a source of shame too. Mm-hmm because of, um, you know, it's societal societal things. And, and unfortunately, I mean, we've made great steps, I think, that forward in um, at least like in the, the states. I mean, we're about to take a lot of steps back, but just the discussion of transgender and sexual fluidity. And you talk to millennials, and they are just so ahead of, of the game. You know, they were, they understand this, concept of um, sexual fluidity. Um, They're more uh, curious about open relationships and sexuality and having these kind of conversations about more complex, like nuanced, definitions of, of sexualities and boundaries. Um, even BDSM has become, you know, something that's been normalized through the 50 shades of gray, which is, I know that that's like <laughs> blasphemy yeah, for any I, real BDSM person. Oh well, yes. But, but, um, you know, at, at least it's like a conversation around there's a conversation point. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that it's, uh, accurate no, just I know. It at all, but, or of trans, um, trans uh, people with, you know, um, Orange is a New Black or with um, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, although obviously, you know, she doesn't really understand a lot of the the needs of the queer community. Um, but it's a conversation. Like when my parents' friends say things like cisgendered, you know, you're like, whoa, you're yeah. like, you know, in your 70s and you know, and you're not like a sexuality person or, you know, somebody who's part of the queer community and you actually are saying that like stuff stuff is happening yeah so i think that um and there is a need to to also like say that the that it's like people saying well why does there need to be a straight pride per gay pride parade this this stuff comes up from weird trolls twitter trolls and and just people who are not educated about you know the the history of you know homosexuality and and how it's been a demonized thing and it's something or alternative sexuality is and how it was medicalized and treated I mean gay came out of you know coming up with a different term than homosexual because that was a medical term for something yeah. that was wrong with somebody yeah you know so they needed to come up with a better word so um, so people are like oh why isn't there like a straight And it's like, you know, I I hope you never have to experience or need to have one because um, the reason why there is is because there was a lot of shame and stigma attached to this kind of sexual identity or alternative sexual identities where it's medicalized, moralized, um, legislated, you know, rights not being, you know, given to people who are partners for for decades, you know, and, and one partner passes away, and then that that partner is not allowed to go to the funeral because it, you know, I mean there's all kinds of or visit them in the hospital so um, it's very important that we understand that when you are existing in, within that kind of space that there there needs to be attention to. It. It's not just like anything else you can't take it for granted. And one of the things that I was thinking about this before we had our conversation, I was thinking about like, for instance, gay marriage Mm. in the United States, which, you know, became federally, you know, that was passed and it was a great victory. And, you know, now we're not really sure what's going to happen with it, with a new administration coming in Um, and their, their particular um, views on, on um, LGBTQ uh, plus issues. Um, and it's called gay marriage. it's not called like queer marriage and so i started i went to a um a, marriage it's not a gay, it's not a
0: gay marriage. marriage it's not a queer, not marriage. A queer marriage. marriage
1: marriage right, yes, yes, but I was wondering like it's and and the reason for it you know is not just because people should be able to um celebrate their you know their love for each other in any way. it's kind of also it's kind of like a very heteronormative construct, right. I mean it was marriage was invented um for heterosexual people to like share property and you know do business between families and 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 that was it but then it also extended to you know now it's like when you get married you get certain rights legal rights and it's very important if you're going to be partnered with somebody long term that you are bound some way legally so that when if something god forbid happens that you are you know um on your you're on the right track to to support each other but I think I remember going to this lecture about queer theory queer studies and some people who are very attached to the term queer are not really into the marriage equality thing Mm -hmm. have you heard this yeah
0: yeah because because they think it's inappropriate because it is a heteronormative concept and I've had this discussion with a couple of people and Mm -hmm. said look I, I need you to kind of step out of the kind of sexual aspect of this, and look at what marriage was and, and right. is, which is a financial arrangement and transaction, yes, you know, and, and and a way to and a way to be able to trace the line of progeny. That's yes. what marriage was for, yeah. and um, so if you look at it that way, you don't have to get so upset about the hetero part of it, you know. Because right. you can look at it as saying, "Well, if I want to marry a woman and we want to adopt a child, if we're married, that means something in terms of the way the way things happen with the child. So if I die, God forbid, my child is able to be cared right. for by the other parent that has raised yeah. it rather than being taken by a family or some stranger, right." Like exactly. the father, for example, who donated the sperm, who they never knew. I mean, be, prior to there being these statutes, some of there were some horrific stories about um, separations and divorces and what happened to kids, but also deaths and what happened to kids that were being raised with two gay parents that didn't have, they had legal contracts written out, but they didn't, didn't have the same protections as marriage. Um, right. And so... You know that's the kind of stuff that it's about. It's about being able to be um to have power attorney um to to be the automatic heir so that you don't pay taxes on your spouse's estate right um, you know when you two have built a home together, it's about making sure that um if your um partner dies in the line of duty that you get the benefits that any other right. partner would be in, in, entitled to and all of that is financial, and none of it has to do with sex
1: exactly and you can be as queer as you want to in that marriage yeah. you know but at the end of the day you know where you're and you know where your um will is going to your inheritance and and you know who's going to be taking care of your kids so yeah. i think it's um you know it's one of those things where it's for some reason you know we live in a, a world where that's you know <laughs> there are certain like <laughs> um, laws and, and guidelines to how things are distributed and families are organized. And so, yeah, so it's something that, um, it's not like, I don't want to say like pick your battle because, you know, your battle is your battle. And, uh, but it's, um, those, those kind of protections are very important. And I think that everybody should fight for them.
0: I mean, they are, and I do think everybody should fight for them. I think everybody should fight for the right to have your relationship recognized in a legal fashion, whether you want to call that marriage or not, doesn't really matter. In the states there was never any alternative, right? You guys you mm-hmm. either got marriage or no marriage. Over here mm-hmm. they did this this civil partnership thing. And, and domestic partnership too. Domestic partnership you can get. But again, you didn't get you didn't get as many rights with that. And so that's why people pushed for marriage and now you can do any of them. You have a mm-hmm. choice. And in fact, you can be a civil partner as a, as a, in a heterosexual relationship as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people don't actually take the time to 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 research the legalities. Yeah. And the things yeah. that it does for you and the things that it does against you. I mean, if if you've ever been divorced, you know that, you know, there are some downsides to having gotten married if it doesn't yeah. last. If yeah. <laughs> decides, right. Divorce is not right. a pleasant thing. Um but there is at least a framework whereas And everybody should be entitled to partake in that if they so wish. I do understand why some people would choose not to, but I don't, that shouldn't preclude them from fighting for the rights of others too.
1: Right. Of other people who are in the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people use, you know, the, you know, the term like queer is like the, the queer, the queer community. So yeah, but I don't think that asexual or, or inter—I don't know asexual or intersex. Do they go under queer? I don't. I don't know if that's.
0: Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I think that's one of the things that that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this because I think it's interesting who, yeah. who identifies as queer. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. sure what the research is on asexual or intersex folks at this point. Yeah, so that yeah, might would be, interesting. be interesting to look at. Like, what do yeah. they act, do? They feel part of this community. Mhm. There are some people that I know that are are demisexual that um that
1: they they um they're only able to be sexually attracted to somebody that they have an emotional attachment to and they consider themselves part of the queer community. They, and where did they get the name though? I have no idea. You know, I'm part of this um this amazing um like secret uh, Facebook group of uh, women it's it's amazing it's uh, across the the states and and um, uh, yesterday I went on and there, it's um they have on Mondays they have people persons of color day and then they have um, on Thursdays they have uh, LGBTQIA and um, there was some conversation about this this demisexual
0: I find that really interesting. interesting so there's an interesting term for me to I'm gonna have to find somebody to talk about it because like I'm sure there are loads of people who don't have sex with people. They don't have emotional attachment to. Yes. I didn't know that yes. separate group. <laughs> but my question is maybe because,
1: um, a lot of people in this group are, you know, millennials. And I think that there's like this thing about like hookup culture and all of this, um, um, uh, more kind of fluid boundaries with relationships and experimentation and all that other stuff. Um, that maybe this person felt feels like an outsider because she can only have sexual relationships with people that she's emotionally attached to, and within her,
0: you know, her cohort, it might seem strange. right? Really like, why aren't you just? Oh I mean, hope- There are generations of people that would be going, and that's a problem. Why y- you should only be exactly. doing that <laughs> anyway? Exactly. <laughs> only like two generations of us who actually believe that it's okay to have sexual relationship with somebody you're not emotionally attached to. But. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, wow. it's, it's
1: really, really, yeah, it was really interesting. I was like, wow. And, and I love this group because it kind of exposes me to a lot of, you know, a lot of different um, things that these m- millennials are, are, um, are talking about. So yeah, it's very, it's really, really interesting. Um, but yeah. And, and um, you know, the, the whole idea of, um, gender queer also is something that that um, comes up too that some people are that's also something that's become a little bit more um, that's used a little bit more I guess we used to call it like androgynous, but androgynous is more of a, a fashion statement right more of like the the clothes that you wear more mm-hmm. so than like the the identity so you know and, and gender queer is like people who queer or problematize you know, hegemonic notions of sex and gender and, dis- and society um, and desire within society. So that's like a another kind of um, another add on to the to the queer to the queer category. Have you heard that
0: one? I have. And there are loads of things that you can do with it as well. And to me, it's yeah. less of an identity and more of a set of actions.
1: OK, yeah. So like queering your identity,
0: yeah, your, your gender, they're, they're so like great. dressing. It's, it's a deliberate Um, it's a deliberate, um, attempt to challenge people's views, not in a negative way to get people to think. Yeah. So it's like
1: dressing butch, right? If you're a female dressing, dressing super butch and being like, well, being feminine doesn't mean, you know, wearing high heels or this or that. This is, you know, there's a spectrum from, again, there's like, now there's more discussion of like a spectrum and it's like, you know, I could be butch, but wear eyeliner, you know, Yeah.
0: There's so. a complete yeah, so to, to kind of the complete spectrum. And I think you we probably hear that term less now because there's more fluidity now than when it came out. Yeah. There's yeah. No, there's yeah. a lot more fluidity now. So um if people want to find you because they want to seek out your help or um see what you're doing, where can they find you?
1: Sure. Um you can find me at com. That's S H U L A M E L A M E D dot com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook or on um, Twitter at Shula Melamed, is my handle, and also on Instagram, Shula M A M P H. And um, I'd be happy to give any listeners a um, complimentary consultation uh, via Skype, and um, yeah.
0: How, so how should they identify themselves? Do you want them to kind of put a code in when they book it or just tell you they heard you on the show and. Just tell them, you know, tell me that you heard heard me on the show and um, that's, that's how they should identify themselves and any other way that they'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a fun conversation and I think there's, there's going to be more to say. We're going to have to come back to these issues. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think this conversation goes on for ages. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at A to Z of Sex.com. That's D R L O R I B E T H at A T O Z O F S E X.com or Z if you're in America and visit both websites www.azofsex.com and www.the-intimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of sexual relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal lasting intimate relationship. For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to www.azofsex.com and click on the button that says book now. Please join me next week when the letter will be R. I look forward to you speaking with you again then and hope you have an excellent week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to The A to Z of Sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.